biblical message. This is a doctrinal message on inspiration. We need to know what that means. That's one of the most important doctrines that we have as Bible-believing Christians. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your words. Thank you that we can hold them in our hands and in our laps. God, that we have every word of God, that we have, Lord, the Holy Scriptures, everything that you want us to know. Uh, it's all there to help us. It's there for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord. Uh, in America, we're apathetic. God, we don't realize what we have. Lord, there's so many people who have a Bible. They say that the Bible's the best-selling book of all time. Uh, Lord, there's a lot of Bibles in America, but I wonder how many, how many people are actually reading it. So, Lord, I pray that you'd bring this... This challenge this morning, bring it with conviction and bring it with uh, life-changing power, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So let's look back at verse 1. It came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was a bad king. Uh, Israel had many bad kings, and he was the son of a good king. Josiah, there was a great revival during his day. And it just goes to show you that just because you have a uh, parent uh, that's doing everything the right way. It doesn't mean that their children are going to turn out right. Uh, everyone has their own decision to make. Everyone has their own choice in the matter. And he, this Jehoiakim had been leading the people of God away from God's word and away from his will. And so this is given to this wicked king and to the people who had gone astray under the leadership of, of Israel. Now, I, I know you can't imagine a leader uh, leading a country astray or leading a state astray. I know we don't know anything about that in America, right? Yeah. Well, uh, he, he's given this message to this king, and this is one year before the judgment would fall. This was a time, this is a, a historical section in Jeremiah, and this was a time in the southern kingdom, the two-tribe kingdom in the south, when they are in a downward spiral, judgment is coming, God was going to send the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar in, to carry the people away, captive, into a foreign land, and to destroy their culture, their temple, their way of life, their businesses, all of that judgment was coming. And so God gives Jeremiah a command in verse 2 to take a roll of a book and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee. So in all of Jeremiah's ministries, now he was going to write down all of these prophecies that he had been given. So God gives him this divine task to put these words down in a roll. Now, the Bible that you hold in front of you, it's, it's a, a book. We call this a book, right? We call this the Holy Bible. Bible means book. Uh, this is a codex book. That's what it means when you put all the pages together with a single binding so you can open it up. It's very convenient. This is cutting-edge technology, kids. This is cutting-edge technology. You ought to spend more time with the smart book Less time with the dumb phone. Amen. And amen. I just came up with that. Sounds like that would preach. Amen. This is cutting edge. Back in the day, you had a scroll. So he says, when he says a roll of a book, 
That's another kind of a book. It's a roll. And it was pieces of, of paper made out of vellum, which, which is like an animal hide, or papyrus, uh, pieces of the papyri plant put together and, and uh, woven together and smashed down and made into paper, sort of like newspaper print. And they would have been sewn together in leaves, leaves of it sewn together and then rolled up and kept like that. Imagine if, if, uh, if we were in a synagogue and if everyone had rolls and the, the rabbi were to say to the people, all right, let's turn in our rolls to Jeremiah 36. Everybody start, start doing that and, you know, and unloosing this and doing that and getting until they finally got to Jeremiah 36, although it would be kind of hard to find because you didn't have chapter markers or verse markers. So he wouldn't even have said Jeremiah 36. He would just say, let's turn to the story about Jehoiakim and, and the role that, uh, of Jeremiah that he burnt. And, and it's so convenient to be able to do it like this. So those are two kind of books, a roll and then a codex. And then we have a third one today. We have a, di- a digital book. You know, you can get online and you can scroll through a page that is just never-ending. And that thing, it's just, it's just one long document. And you just keep scrolling through it. And it's really going back to the idea of the scroll like Jeremiah had in his, in his day. So what you have, just the fact that you have it like this. That you have all of God's words. All 66 books. All in one place. Do you know what you have? I just, I just think about that. Jeremiah didn't have that. He didn't have all, all of God's books. He didn't have all 39 in the Old Testament together in one place. Those were kept in the synagogues and in the temple. That's where those things were kept. He didn't have that like we have. We, have, we are so blessed, so privileged to have what we have. But here's this divine command. Put all of the words down in a book. And uh, everything that I have spoken unto thee, he says in verse 2, against Israel. But not just against Israel, that's a northern ten-tribe kingdom, but against Judah, the southern two-tribe kingdom, and against all the nations. Well, that meant Babylon. That meant everybody all around him, Egypt. These, These things that are in the Bible that God has said, they are against all nations, and that means today they are against this nation the United States of America. He says, From the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day, it may be. Now this is the purpose that the Lord wanted him to do this and write this down. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity in their sin. And so what the Lord was going to do is he was going to watch as Jeremiah spoke these words to his attendant, Baruch. And as Baruch, the pen man, wrote them down. And then a year later, as Baruch, he goes to the temple, to the, to the gate of the temple, stands there where people are going in and out and stands there and reads the writing. And God knows that as he reads this, that the word is going to spread like wildfire. People are going to gossip the information that they heard from Jeremiah the prophet and the pronouncements against them and the evil that God was going to bring on them. God was going to watch and see what they did with it. 
And we know what they did. They didn't repent. When this book is open, the judgment is set. The judgment bar of God is set anytime this book is open. Whether it's opened at church, whether it's opened at home and you're reading it privately before the Lord, anytime that this book is opened, the judgment bar is set and God is going to see how you respond and how I respond to the Word of God. He will watch to see what we do and if we, in humility, respond to the Word with a believing heart and with an obedient heart, then he will bless, he says. Now that goes for a church house, because judgment begins at the house of God and with his people. And that goes for a state house, or a courthouse, or the White House, or any other house. It goes for the nation uh, of America, and it goes for an individual. God watches to see what we will do with it. The Bible says that when we read the Bible, it reads us. I'm going to quote to you from Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm reading Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. And here it says that the word of God is quick, means it's alive, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner. You see, when you read the Bible... The Bible is actually reading you. The Bible discerns your thoughts and your intentions. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That is, when, when you open this, and it's on your laps right now, and you're listening to a preacher, or when you're opening it at home, or, or, or guys, when you open this Word of God, and you're reading it with your wife, or with your children at home, or maybe you're correcting your children, and you, you go to the Word of God to show them that what you're doing comes from the Word of God, and what they've done is wrong, and it's breaking God's law. When you do that, God is going to watch to see how your children respond. He's going to watch to see how husbands and wives respond to the Word of God. And he's going to watch when he sees you individually with the Word of God reading it. He'll watch to see how you respond to it. This is the only book in the world that does that. That what you get out of it depends on what you bring to it. Your attitude when you come to it. He says that if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, right? Well, he's going to watch to see if we humble ourselves. You know, I, I, I've told you this before, but the, the first pastor that I really grew under, Pastor Walter Yeager out of Zanesville, just, he used to run a bus ministry just, oh, I don't know how many buses. I think it was up into 100 buses that they had at one time. Huge, huge Sunday school and bus ministry. Huge. Thousands of kids coming. He would say... Uh, when I open up this book, he said, I come to it like a little child. This was a very intelligent man. He, he was no dummy. And he said, when I open this up and I read it, and he believed the King James Bible word for word, that he had the very words of God in his language. He said, when I go to it, I come to it like a little child, and I just say, Lord, I don't know anything. Teach me. And that's how he said you should respond to it. And God will see the way that... Now, you know what this nation is doing. Systematically, they are turning away from the revelation of God 
in his words. The battle today is for the definition of gender. And we know that. And you know what America is doing? They're showing us that they hate this book and they hate the God of this book. And apostate religious groups are pandering to the politicians and to the people that are going in there and trying to change uh, law and, and to, to, to make laws against this book. The people that are religious and doing that, they're wrong. God's going to watch and see how we respond to that. It was, what was it, 40 years ago? This whole thing with, uh, with uh, killing, killing babies uh, wasn't about 40 years ago. It was only a year after that ruling that preachers were saying that, that God is going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah if he doesn't judge this nation. That was only one year after they legalized abortion. Well, it's been 40 years. 73, is that when it was? 1973, okay. And we just keep, yeah, been 50 years. How, How do we keep going? Will God not judge this land? He will. And we see it happening all around us. This country has gone nuts. And you know why? Because they rejected this book. And you sit there and listen to this, and you say, yeah, we've heard it before. And I'm preaching to a bunch of people who all agree with me. But you better buckle up because it's going to get worse in 2024. And the sad thing about it is that the churches in America are asleep. A bunch of Christians in America had the word of God in this country a couple hundred years. And we don't read it. Don't read it. Don't really know what it says. Won't defend it are not able to speak intelligently on the, 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 the situations going on today. Matter of fact, just don't speak at all. Just stay quiet. I mean, the, the, the illustrations are too numerous to even bring them up. But, you know, just, just one that I think of in Colorado, uh, a husband and wife sent their daughter, she's in grade school, sent her on a field trip with their public school. And they were told that their daughter would sleep in a hotel room with other girls. So with her, with her own gender. That's what they were told. So they're all going on this field trip. They would all be staying in hotel rooms. They said, we will put your daughter with her own gender. They didn't do it. They put her into a room with a boy who was pretending to be a girl and put her in the same bed as that boy. And when she complained, they said, whatever you do, don't say anything about his gender identity. We'll just say that you wanted to be closer to the air conditioner because you were warm, and we'll put you in that other bed. And then the boy, pretending to be a girl, said, well, I want to be closer to the air conditioner. So they put him now together with her again in that bed, and she said, I won't do it. And they said, whatever you do, don't say anything about his gender or the way that he identifies, we'll just put you in a different room and say that you just didn't feel well in here and you wanted to be in a room with less children. And so they did that. And they didn't tell the parents about it. They covered it up. That stuff is going on. And it's sad to say, but even if you put two girls together in a bed, you cannot be sure that your daughter will be safe. 
in that bed because this country is going crazy. It's going crazy. Why would they even start thinking like that? Well, we know. It's because of television, social media, and the music industry. That's why those kids are thinking like that. And uh, the teachers are left to try to control this chaos. And what you see happening in our own state with our own governor, he vetoed that bill, that SAFE Act, which I hope that the House overturns that. But that would have protected uh, girls in sports from boys competing against them. And, and uh, it would have protected children, which he still says that, you know, that you're not allowed, you, know, you shouldn't be having uh, gender transitioning therapy or surgery before the age of 18, but it's only a matter of time. And they'll send them to other states. And this, this country is just... And listen, what, what, what our governor, what he cites as, as the authority for his decision was he said, I talked to the parents and I talked to the medical professionals. Oh, everybody bow down to the medical professionals because they know best, right? And he said, that's what I did. So that's his authority, not this. Do you see? His authority is medical science and what the parents want, the rights of the people. And it's not even what the parents want. It's what the children want. And, and it's not this. You see, the authority is not the word of God. You say, well, shouldn't he be allowed to do that? Yeah, it wouldn't be such a big deal if this nation had not been founded on the word of God like it was. You know what the Bible says about every nation that forgets God? Well, a nation who never knew God is not under that warning. Like India, you know, or some of these other nations that never knew God. Like, uh, you might think of uh, something like China. Some of those places, those provinces in China. They never knew God. You'd have to go way back to when Noah was getting off the ark, you know, and people were starting to spread out, and then the Tower of Babel, and people were starting to spread out when they still had knowledge of the true God. Any nation like that, it's not under that same warning and indictment, but we are, it says, that, that the nations that forget God, that's us, because we know God, shall be turned into what? Hell. It's happening. It's happening. There are cities, there's a city in Ohio, uh, southern, uh, southern, um, oh, it's south, oh, it's right beside Parkersburg, v Vienna. There's a, there's a town called South Vienna. I don't know if it's beside Parkersburg or not. They have voted to disband their police department. That is, they, they can't afford police officers, and they don't have enough police officers. You know this, you've heard this. They don't have enough police officers, people signing up to do it. So they won't have a police force. There are parts of cities, in major cities in our country, parts of cities that have fallen, the police won't even go there, so they're controlled by mob violence, the Muslims, the blacks, the gangs, or the mafia. Police won't even go. If you call 911, they're not going it's going to get to the point, and, and police in this country are saying, in some places, are saying, unless it's 911, I'm not going. Why? Well, because they haven't been supported. Because there's not enough of them. Because there's so much, they're afraid they're going to get sued. One thing or another. They might say something wrong, get canceled. It's going to get to the point to where you have to defend yourself. 
There will be no police. Just imagine that. You say, I can't imagine it. It's coming when there's no police to defend you. The system fails. You can't go to Starbucks and get 15 different choices of lattes anymore. When, when things fail in this country. Folks, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to say this. The nations that forget God shall be turned into hell. You say, that's, that's just, that sounds negative. That's what Jer- I'm trying to give you a picture of the way that the people felt when Jeremiah's attendant, Baruch, went and read what was going to happen. And read in the ears of the people. It's not a positive message. It's not. I admit. It's a negative message. It scares me. Uh, listening to some of this stuff. And, and trying to get up to date and stay up to date on what's going on. It scares me. I'm going to preach a message about fear coming up pretty soon. How do we handle fear and anxiety? Because it is scary. But it's coming. And why? Why is it coming? Because our nation forgot God. Because we're pandering to the politicians. And because of the love of money. We allow these changes to happen because the state won't send the money if we don't. You see, he says, take this and put it into a roll and go and read it in the ears of all the people. And it may be that the house of Judah will hear, in verse 3, all the evil that God purposes to do. Evil does not mean sin. It means calamity. It means judgment. And so God is saying, I'm purposing to do judgment, and it might be that they hear and they repent. That is, if you're not dead, you're not done. <laughs> and God's not done with this country. God's people, that's who he's looking to repent, is God's people. He said, this is all against all the nations, but he said, I want my people, Judah, to repent. If this nation and God's people in this country were to repent, then I believe God would bring blessing. And I believe the reason why he, he has preserved our country is because there are so many Christians all over this country meeting in little groups like this who still love the Lord, still reading their Bibles, still praying, still supporting missionaries, and still praying for Israel and supporting Israel. That's going to change. Have you read the percentages of kids between 18 and 24 who think that Israel is a problem and should be eliminated? My oh my, how that's going to change in a generation. It's changing, it's coming, it's happening, and we're still asleep. But, but because there are Christians who are still doing that, salt, we're the salt of the earth and salt preserves. I believe that's why God has held off just letting the bottom fall out on this country. And so as we pray, that, that's why I have that on the sign still. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. My do they ever hate Israel? And they've got all kinds of reasons for it. And are they ever against Israel? And our nation more and more is turning against them. But we pray that God would bless Israel and we pray for their peace. And he says, I want to forgive their iniquity, verse 3. But then look at verse 4. Then Jeremiah called Baruch. So Jeremiah is going to do what the Lord says. Now notice, he says, come in here. Listen to all the words. As Jeremiah spoke out of the mouth of the prophet... Then the penman wrote down the words of the Lord and put them into a roll of a book. And then, verse 5, Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am shut up. I cannot go into the house of the Lord, he says. 
Now, he wasn't in prison at this time. So what did he mean by that? Well, I tell you what I know he meant. We don't have to wonder. He's a prophet. The Lord said, don't go. You stay right here. Why would the Lord have told him, don't go, you stay right here? Well, I'm kind of reading in between the lines here, but if you're familiar with what's going on in the book, he's a hunted man. They want to kill him. They're out for blood. They want to get rid of this negative prophet. There's a lot of churches like that. We don't want to hear this negative preaching about sin and preaching against hell. When's the last time you heard a full sermon on hell? I'm going to preach a whole sermon on hell. I've been convicted about it recently. I mention it often, but I, don't, I haven't preached a full sermon just on hell. Hell is an awful place. It's an eternal place. Imagine burning in a fire, and it never stops. People don't want to hear that. We're in the last days where people don't want to hear sound doctrine. They won't endure it. They won't put up with it. They say, give me teachers having itching ears, you know. Give me a teacher to just scratch me right where I itch. Oh, that feels so good. Tell me things that are smooth words, things that make me feel good. Now, we need that. We need encouragement. But, but you're living in a country, they don't want to hear strong preaching. People are saying, give me a preacher that will tell, tell us the truth. <laughs> give me a preacher that will preach the whole counsel of God, who won't cover things up. One of the biggest churches in our country, it's a Times Square church, it's in New York City. I was listening to a preacher there, and praise God, uh, he, was, he was preaching the truth about what's going on in our country. But you should have watched him, uh, wish you could have been there watching it with me, and watch how careful he was being. Because he's in New York City. He's got reporters in there, he's got a mixed crowd, all kinds of different people in there. He's got people in there who are, you know, are... Uh, affirming to the transgender crowd and all that stuff. And as he's standing there preaching, but he preached the whole truth. And every time he did, people started to clap. Yeah, that's good. And it wasn't because they were just looking for entertainment. They're just saying, we, we actually have a preacher who will tell the truth and will speak it and will warn people and let this country know that there's a bunch of people who do not agree with this nonsense and the perversion that seems to prevail these days. Applauding. And, and so there are, there, there is a remnant of Bible-believing Christians who want the truth and will support preachers like that. But in a lot of churches, they don't want a negative preacher. And they, you know, they'll vote with their feet. They'll just not show up. Starve him out. Get rid of him. They'll vote that way. Now, he says here, he says, I want you to go. I'm shut up. I can't. I'm a hunted man. The Lord wants me to stay here. I cannot go into the house of the Lord, but you're going to go, and you're going to read my prophecies in the ears of the people. Now, I want to just say something about this inspiration here, and, and I'm, I'm going to preach on it, probably going to preach on this chapter for a while. We'll see how the Lord leads. But inspiration... Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, you can read it later. He says that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So inspiration means that God breathes. God breathes out his words, and he breathes them out through the mouth of a prophet. A prophet is a mouthpiece. He's just a speaker. 
He just speaks God's words. That's why the prophets say, Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. They preach until somebody kills them. And then as they preach, God is breathing out his words through that prophet, and then someone writes them down. And remember this uh, for next time. Inspiration means it's divine words, it's God's words, right? The inspiration of the Almighty happens at the mouth, not at the pen. Peter says, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Inspiration happens at the mouth. Inspiration, that word, means God breathed or to breathe out. If you think about it, if you're at home and no one's around and no one can hear you, try saying, uh, maybe try saying numbers. Because in order to be able to speak, you have to inhale, you have to draw breath in, and to speak, you have to exhale, and that breath, that air, has to go over your vocal cords. And so I, I tried this. I, 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 in, I inhaled just normally, and I spoke one, two, three, four, five, just to feel the air going out of me. That's, that's inspiration. God breathed. And see how many numbers you can count before you're out of breath. <laughs> 12, 13. You know, see if you can get to 12 or 13. But that's what inspiration is, God breathing out, but through the mouth of the prophet. And, and it's the inspiration of the Almighty. Think of what you have. I'm going I'm to wrap this up, but just think of what you have. You have God's words. You have them translated into your language, preserved for you. You can't get that anywhere else. You have God's words, and you have a bunch of Christians in America that are unfamiliar with this book. Can't find anything in there, so they get on Google and look it up. Because they can't find it, because they don't know this book. Listen to me. If you don't know this book, you don't know the God of this book. Amen. You don't know this book, you don't know the God of this book. You don't know what he's like. Got to get familiar with this book. And you know what? I just want to give this as just a just a practical kind of a takeaway. This, this man, Baruch, or Baruch, he read this three times. Well, he read it twice, and then it was read a third time. But altogether, this scroll was read three times. Notice in verse 10, he reads it in the gate of the temple. There at the house of the Lord. That's one time. And then he's heard by some of the king's princes... And the king's attendant calls him to come and read it before the princes in verse 15. So they said unto him, sit down now and read it in our ears. So that's the second time that this scroll is read. Then the third time is in verse 22, the king now. The king's sitting and listening to it in verse 22. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month. It's cold out. He's in the portion of his house that's there. It's suitable for the winter. He has a fireplace. There was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudai, he's one of his attendants there, he, he had read three or four leaves of this roll. He cut it with a penknife, cutting up a leaf at a time, cutting it and casting it into the fire after he gets done reading it, which was on the hearth, showing his disdain, showing his hatred. 
His, his opposition to God's word until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Can I say this? He didn't care for God's word very much, did he? He didn't like that one bit. As he was reading it, cutting it up, throwing it into the fire, burning the thing. God's word has been burned throughout history. It has been banned and it, is, it has been blocked. Even today, China, the Hunan province, the Bible is propaganda. Christians meet in secret. They call it the underground church. Just give you a brief illustration, and then we'll, we'll let you go. But don't miss this. I pray, God, that this will change your life and my life. Don't be a lukewarm Christian. Don't be apathetic about the Bible. Don't walk away from this as if you never even heard this message. This, this, this Chinese church in the Hunan province, it's, it's, it's a, an illegal book. It's illegal. You can't have it. We can't even imagine that in America. Don't tell me I can't have something. I have whatever I want. I'm an American. No, there it's, it's illegal. Can't have it. If you do have it, you've got to hide it. So churches meet in private in apartment buildings, little apartment buildings. One case was this pastor came from America to China. He met with some pastors, 22 of them, in a little apartment, like a studio apartment, 700 square feet. And they were going to meet for a day of training. All these pastors that were involved that were Chinese pastors came from uh, as many as 13 hours away on a train ride. They rode on a train 13 hours. I just drove 13 hours back from Florida in comfort. <laughs> I can't imagine riding on a train for that long. And uh, there they were. They arrived at the building where the apartments were. But in order to uh, not be suspected of meeting for a Christian uh, purpose, they came in sporadically. They... they they staggered when they would arrive. And when they would go up the elevator, they only went up two at a time. And they would wait so much uh, time, and then two more would come up the elevator. And they'd wait more, and they'd stagger it out so people didn't realize that they were getting together. And there he was eventually at 8 o'clock in the morning. 8 o'clock in the morning with 22 Chinese pastors meeting in front of him. He had Bibles for them, Chinese Bibles. He didn't have enough to give everyone a Bible. But he handed them out. Some of them didn't have them. And he saw one Bible teacher there give her copy away to somebody else. And he asked her, why would you give that away? She said, I have that chapter that you referred to. I have it memorized. The chapter he was going to start teaching on. I have it memorized. Well, as he was teaching, he taught from 8 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon. You can't get an American Christian to put up with that. Will not endure sound doctrine. That was training, though. That was their opportunity. They got together. They were going to make the most of it. So, right? That's the situation. But as he was teaching, 8 to 5, when he finished up, he said, what would happen if we get busted? What would happen if the authorities find out that I'm teaching here? And they said, well, you would be deported within 24 hours. And they said, we would go to jail for three years. And he said, 
Really? He said, yeah. They said, yeah, they'll, they'll lock us out. So he said, how many of you have gone to jail, gone to prison for your faith? Out of those 22, 18 of them raised their hands. 18 Bible teachers or pastors said they have spent time in prison. That, that woman who had memorized that chapter and many other chapters, you know where she did it? In prison. When they received the word of God, I'm going to show you a video next Sunday morning of what it looks like when some Chinese Christians receive the word of God for the first time. They weep. They hold it up against their face. They caress it. They hug it. They cry out, this is what we needed. This is what we needed. Because it's so rare. They're receiving the word of God for the first time like that. And... um, When I, when I sit there watching that, I watched that one and I watched another one, some Papua New Guineans receiving the Bible for the first time. I watched another one about some Vietnamese people receiving the Bible for the first time. I sit there and I'm just like, I got a box of tissues beside me that I'm trying to you know, get it together, stop crying. I'm afraid Beth's going to walk in at any moment. I don't want her to see me crying. I'm just sitting there sobbing. And it's not because I'm more spiritual. I don't just, the Lord just, I guess because I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor. But I'm just sitting there sobbing, and I'm thinking, Lord, do I love your word like that? I don't think I do. There was a time when I did. But we get cold on God. We all do. There's a time when we get cold on God. That, Bi- that Bible's a closed book. It's a cold book. We don't get anything out of it. But listen, if you get back into it and pray, God, let me get back to the place to where you stir my heart with your word. And you speak to me, and it's almost as if you were speaking audibly to me from your word. Let me get back to a place where I'm sensitive with your word. Let me get back to a place to where I read your word daily. This is my application to you. This is my challenge to you before invitation. Baruch had a plan, didn't he? The plan was go and read the whole scroll. So he had a reading plan. And if you're going to read the Bible this year, and I I hope that you do, if I were to say, show of hands, how many people here who have read the Bible through in its entirety? I won't do it, but could you raise your hand if you haven't? Yeah, we got a couple because I started this when I got here. If you can't raise your hand, let this be the year that that changes. I'm not talking about a New Year's resolution. I'm talking about a resolution before God Almighty. And this is going to be the year. And I recommend that you have a plan for reading. I recommend this. There's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. Read four chapters a day. You will get through the Bible in a year. When you get to a long chapter, you say, mercy, it's Psalm 119. This thing is the longest chapter in the Bible. Just read that one chapter that day. You have plenty of time. If you get to a point like that, sometimes just read two chapters a day if you've got real long chapters. But four chapters a day will get you through that book. I recommend cover to cover. I will not change on that. Because... The Bible is a dispensational book, and God is revealing things progressively. So as you read through it like that, you'll get the whole thing. But there are people who say, I want to read the New Testament. It takes forever till I finally get to the New Testament. Okay, I say this. Pick a book in the New Testament that you really are interested in. Gospel of John, book of Ephesians, Philippians. Um, Philippians has so many famous verses in it. And just read that book over and over and over again. So you feel like you've really digested it. So you have something going in the New Testament that's of interest to you. That's my plan. You don't have to take that plan. I highly recommend it. 
But there are reading plans out there. You have to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you won't read it. I promise you won't. He had a place. Go to the temple. Go to the house of the Lord. He had a place. You have to have a place. Have a place. This is my reading place. This is where I'm not distracted and so on. It is my place that I go to. If you go on vacation, my place is now the hotel room or my sister's house or whatever. Have a place. And then he was persistent. Persist in reading the Word of God. If you miss it a couple of days, don't give up. Just keep going. If you read four chapters a day, even if you missed a day or two, you can still easily finish it in a year. That's why I like that plan. Be persistent. Be persistent. And read it. There's all kinds of other things. I'll preach about it. But if you just decide before the Lord right now, because if you don't make a decision, nothing will change. I'm calling on you to make a decision this very moment to say, God, I'm going to do this. For me, I want to see how many times I can read through the Bible this year. Most preachers read through it two or three times a year. I've never really done it. I've always been a one-year, one-time-through-in-a-year preacher. And I'm going to change that this year. I've been convicted about that. But I want you to make a decision now that that's what you're going to do before the Lord at this time of invitation. And um, it'll change your life. Say you've read through it before, you've done it before, do it again. Do it again. Don't stop. They read it three times. All right, let's stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed. Um, We're going to give an invitation for church membership, and we're going to vote to receive... uh, we're going to vote to receive Keith White, so we need somebody to go get Keith White real quick. And, uh, and also, at this time of invitation, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, just before the Lord, let's just thank him for giving us the Holy Scriptures. With heads bowed, eyes closed, Lord, we thank you for this message. God, I thank you for giving us your word. It is a treasure to us. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Lord, we need it every day. Man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning not to make this resolution lightly, not to be flippant about it, but Lord, to make a decision today that we are going to do this. We're going to read through the Bible. We're going to choose a plan. We're going to have a place and we're going to persist in reading through the word of God this coming year. And God, I pray that you'd make this a rich time. I pray that you'd develop in us a discipline to make this a daily habit, to get into the habit and stay in it. And Lord, maybe for some of us, that's a little bit daunting. And it's between us, Lord, and and you, and it's an individual thing. So I pray, Father, that you'd help each one of us, every one of us in here, to at least read a portion of God's word each day, prayerfully, carefully, worshipfully, as unto the Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you'd make the word of God quick and powerful in our lives, that you'd speak to our hearts. You'd make this an exciting time, a challenging time, a convicting time, and most of all, a life-changing time that we'd learn right living and learn more about you as we read through the word of God this year in 2024. Help, Lord, in these commitments. Help us to stick to our commitments. Give us serving grace. Bless us to be consistent and disciplined in this. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. Because it's not we ourselves, Lord, but it's your spirit in us, working in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. In Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. Did you do it? Did you make a decision before the Lord? I hope you did.